It's no secret the NFL has a problem with race. Think Colin Kaepernick. Think Brian Flores. But this isn't a new problem. It's one that started as far back as the 1930s, with a ban on Black players in the NFL, with a past that informs the present. Blackballed is a new miniseries podcast from The Ringer about the four men who broke the color barrier in football. I'm your host, Chelsea Stark-Jones. Blackballed is dropping soon on The Ringer NFL feed. It's the Full Goal presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filtered by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every, that's right, every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, the official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I wanna wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. Chicago everywhere. Check it. It's not enough Chicago. We just don't have enough Chicago people. Jason Goff is here. Well, I'm at Full Go. The Full Go podcast. The Full Go. Bears, Bulls, White Sox, Cubs, and Blackhawks. Our man, Jason Goff. Three times a week with Jason Goff. His mood is elevated. He is feeling good. Jason, I'm loving the Full Go. Love the Full Go. The Full Go. The Full Go. Welcome to Full Go with Jason Goff. That is what I'm talking about. Talking about. What up, world? You're listening to The Full Goal with Jason Goff, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Yeah. I'm so excited. Look at those faces. Uh, dude, you don't understand. You understand. It has been it has been a trying day for the kids. So when I see these three faces right here, all I can think of is... Canceled bull season due to COVID. <laughs> remember, remember when we was always on the Zoom looking at each other in dark times, huh? Remember that? Oh, Lord yeah. have mercy. Oh, I do remember. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, what episode is this, Tony? Look at, well, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before we even get to the episode, Tony, what is, are you on a retreat? Like, are you, have you turned into a Tibetan monk? Like, what's going on with how much hair are you going to put on your face and your head before we, huh? You went and got married on us and just, and you took the barber out the budget? What's happening? I mean, with I'm you in right album now? mode, bro. I'm in album mode. <laughs> I'm in album mode. Looking good as always. Play. What, what episode are we on? Oh, you always catch me with this. What is this, 222? <laughs> you know it's coming every show. 
You know it's coming every show. Come on, 222. Shout out to 222. If you guys out there who play lottery, a.k.a. the Black Tax, uh, pick three, 222. That's what you should go with from here on out, all right? Um, welcome in to episode 222 of the Full Gold Podcast. Maybe that'll be the opener or the stinger of the show. Who knows? Um, I'm Jason Goff. This is the Full Go Podcast brought to you by The Ringer. Of course, Spotify is the gang. The voices that you have already heard are that of my main man, Tony Gill, and my other main man, Casey Johnson, my teammate, my co-worker uh, at NBC Sports Chicago, also an Edmondson wild kit to the heart. You know, my guy. I, before we even get into the basketball stuff and life and all these other things how do we do against new trier yeah i know you brought the evanston wild kid immediately went to hated new trier uh my uh my my, my youngest son plays freshman baseball for lane tech and uh tough 3-2 walk-off loss oh. to the trevians up, up at duke child's field on willow road so good great great high school baseball game though cold as you know what oh, yeah. Holy cow, was it cold? Yeah, yeah. Oh, cold baseball is cold baseball is tough, but when family is involved, you got to do what you got to do, right? I remember, yeah. uh, man. I remember I had a I had tickets to a Cubs Mets game where Matt Harvey was pitching against. So who was he pitching against? It was it was Arietta. It was Jake Arietta and it was Matt Harvey and Len Casper had thrown me the tickets and I had uh, I went with uh, Jason's mom at the time and. You know, we went out there and it's like 39, 40 degrees, something like that. We're sitting there and she's like, you know, she's looking at me and she's thinking she has to stay for the whole thing. And I'm looking at her. I'm like, no, no, we can leave. We we can. I know that Matt Harvey and Jake Ariad are very good pitchers, but I do not need to be here freezing my balls off just to say I sat through it. So shout out to you. Shout out to what dads will do for their uh, loving children. No doubt about it. And Lane Tech, come on, step up your game. Like, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care who we talking about you have to beat new trier okay it's is it was it was embedded in me in 1994 and by the time i walked out of there in 1998 i still had no love for new trier shout out to matt lodich and all the dudes who uh wrecked shop on us <laughs> year in and year out and shout out to that year we ran on their court on homecoming and acted a fool and got thrown out the gym there's a long-standing rivalry i actually took my sat at new trier um yeah behind enemy lines yeah and it was like 50 wow. 60 of us in a cafeteria and they were like hey who's still in school because it was during the break so they're like hey who's still in school right now and i, I raised my hand because you know evanston was still in session and i look around and there's nobody else raising their hand and then i look around and i'm like uh oh there's also another similarity that isn't shared by anyone in this cafeteria but i was behind enemy lines and i i got put to the test and i uh, i came out with flying colors so shout out to New Trier and, uh, you know, the Evanston New Trier rivalry still lives on. All right, let's get down to it, KC. You are now covering one of the hotter teams in the NBA post All Star break, my friend. Who would have thought, Tony, you could just go ahead and turn your camera off for this one because I already know the stink faces you're about to do. Now keep it on, actually. I want to see these. Uh, KC, 
this is Godfather 3-ish, man. Like, I know what the end of this is going to be like, right? And I know what this feels like right now, but damn it if I'm not okay with watching some competitive basketball and also trying to draw some things leading into the offseason. Because let's face it, the Bulls aren't a championship contender. The Bulls are not going to upset anybody in the first round of the playoffs if they get through the play-in tournament, uh, unless there is a traumatic, you know, like a sequence of events in terms of injury for either the Boston Celtics, Milwaukee Bucks, or the Philadelphia 76ers, because I feel like they'll be in that range, obviously, with the play-in situation. So what are we taking from right now? The Bulls are 9-4 post-All-Star break. We, we have fun with the Pat Bev effect stuff, but what you've seen this organization for the last 30 years. You've been covering this team for a while now. What does this mean to you right now in terms of what, how you get the story, what you're looking for, and what intrigues you? Well, I mean, you kind of nailed it that it's nice to watch competitive basketball because there are so many times where this team this season obviously has had head-scratching losses and uh, inconsistent play and just unforgivable lapses. And then, you know, to see them play more competitively and to take punches. I mean, that's the thing to me that's standing out is that you know, they they go up by 27 against Miami, and here comes Miami Poles within three. I mean, that's a game that two, three weeks ago, a month ago, the Bulls lose. And uh, they're, they're now taking some of these counter punches and, and punching back. And I don't know if that's the Pat Beverly effect or, you know, a combination of factors, uh, pro- probably the latter. But you can't overlook the fact that they've they've become tougher and more resilient and and and, and played better since Beverly has arrived. So he's certainly a big part of it, um, but it's just it's just nice to watch competitive basketball because you've been right there with with both of us, and uh, there's there's been a lot of uh, angst yes. this season. And I feel like we're I feel like we're past that in the sense that you know even if they lose, I think it's going to be competitive now. Mm-hmm. That's that's kind of the vibe I have. I want to get right to Zach Levine here. Um, Zach Levine is thriving in the month month of March, and this is all while, I won't say competing for the basketball with DeMar DeRozan, but let's face it, DeMar DeRozan is a uh, he is he is a ball dominant player, and we see it. You know, he's the de facto point guard in so many situations, whether it's down a stretch or to begin the game. But with Zach's march and him being healthy and some of the other things, obviously the contract that's over his head and the expectations around that, um, is Zach doing this uh, while DeMar DeRozan is being himself? Or could Zach do this without DeMar DeRozan? Like, is, has Zach ascended to a level where you can expect him to score at this level going forward, where we're talking about 29, 30 points a game if DeMar isn't here? I mean, you know, Zach to me is an all-star. And yeah, I think he would have been the three-time all-star this year if he if he hadn't had the knee surgery in the offseason. Um, he's played like an all-star since December 1st on. So he's a perennial all-star to me. Um, you know, whether or not he fits with DeMar, I think you see the value of a point guard. I mean, Patrick Beverly is not a quintessential point guard, but he's at least a veteran, uh, mature, high IQ basketball player who knows how to organize this thing. And you just add that to the mix, and Levine and DeRozan have started to kind of play better together. So you saw it the first half season that Lonzo was here. And then for, you know, the second half of last season, Zach wasn't himself, so DeMar took over. 
And, you know, until Patrick Beverly arrived, I think arrived, I think there were a lot of question marks about their fit. It just seemed like there was too much my turn, your turn, but you're you're seeing Zach play at a very high level. I thought his floor game in Philadelphia was fantastic. Um, I don't remember how many assists he ended up with. I think, I think seven. Four, I think seven, my yeah. bad. Yeah. And then he had a lot of hockey assists and just made a lot of nice reads. He had a couple of nice entry passes to Vucevic. So he obviously had the one bad turnover late. Yeah. He does sometimes get a little sloppy with the ball at times. But in general, I thought he played, you know, he attacked at the right moments. I thought he played a really, really strong game overall in Philadelphia. Obviously, we got 11 games as we are sitting here taping this. So there's there's still some basketball to be played and whatever the play-in tournament slash playoffs brings. But how do you think Zach's feeling about this year's experience? Because anytime something is there to touch a nerve, he isn't scared to voice that that nerve is touched. And I'm not mad at it because we ask these guys to be truthful. We ask these guys to be uh, themselves. We ask these guys to tell us how they're feeling. And whether it be the benching in Orlando, whether it be the trade talks during the trade deadline where people are making calls about everybody around the league. And then lately, you know, this defense thing has been very interesting to me because uh, Zach really, really like, you know, what Zach reminds me of. He's the ultra confident kid that, that you see in high school that if you're friends with the confident, cool kid, you know, there's some shit that gets to this dude. But if you're not around the cool kid or you, you know, you're just looking from afar as one of the nerds, you're like, oh, man, his life is awesome. He's cool. And nothing, nothing ever gets to that guy. But it seems like a lot of things resonate with Zach. And he is, you know, I don't know if it's a chip on his shoulder because that's always a good thing to have. But he is Things land with him. If I if, if, and I'm, am I am I misrepresenting that, mischaracterizing no. that situation? Like things no, land you, with Zach. No, you're spot on, especially about that defense thing. That really stood out to me too, Jason, the other night when somebody asked him about his defense and he it, it touched a nerve, man. He was like, I'm one of the best on model defenders in the league. Not many people get by me. I mean, I don't yeah, know what he, you're watching. Yeah, he fell me and Louise did off the cliff. And I was like, all right, Zach, come on now, man. Like, you know, you got it. Like, you can play some defense. Like, let's not go to best on ball defenders in the league. But maybe that's the conversations that people are having around the league that I'm not privy to, though. Yeah, I mean, it just does seem like Zach, um, just kind of by I, – I, I, I don't think this. I know this because I've been around Zach since he's been here. I think he's tired of being questioned. You know, uh, I think he just he's like, hey, man, I'm an Olympic gold medalist, two time all star, could have been a three time all star. Why? Why is everybody always like picking on me or, you know, focusing on my weaknesses? I mean, this is not my read. But so I, I think he's at the point where he's just kind of like, come on, man. I, he has a very high view of himself and he's got a lot of confidence in himself and he should. I mean, that's how star players need to be driven. Um, but I this is completely my own opinion, but I'll, I'll just say that I feel like um, I feel like sometimes like Demar is just kind of held on a different level, like where he can get away with more than Zach, and every mistake that happens with Zach, it's like feasted upon, and I think that kind of you know that kind of that rubs Zach a little bit the wrong. I feel like he's like I've like he said the night he got benched, um, I've earned you know, it. I played the right to I've earned the right to play through these bad games. That's kind of how he feels about all things that he's questioned. I've I've earned the right to to have these you know foibles because I'm a damn good player and I love his confidence, man. So. Yeah, I'm, I mean, listen, I'm a fan. Like I I know 
the things that drive me crazy about Zach. And it, at the beginning of this year, when we were doing this pod and the deal came down and the first thing I said to everybody, hey, the price tag is not going to change the player demonstrably. Like, there are certain things that he has to refine, but Zach Levine is going to be Zach Levine. You know why? Because him being Zach Levine got him $200 million. Right. So so it's kind of it's kind of like when we we talk about NFL coaches and it's like, well, eh, run something else. It's like, wait a minute. This is I got here running this like I got here running this defense. or I got here running this offense. All of a sudden you want me to start drawing shit up in the sand. It's not going to work that way. And I feel that same way about Zach. Like you have to compliment uh, or supplement, I should say, some of his weaknesses. But, you know, what he's done, I mean, let's face it. You know, Andrew Wiggins, <laughs> uh, 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 Zach Levine, and Carl Anthony Towns. I mean, you, you look back, that dude was thought of as the third dude. And now he is one of the leaders on the team, obviously, that's trying to get into the playing situation. But, I mean, he is he has ascended to a point where um, I understand his frustration, but I also understand the frustration of Bulls fans who watch on a nightly basis expecting – that kind of electric talent to matter more to the team overall winning. Uh, and I, I beg this question because clutch sports is very interesting to me. And I, I like watching how they move and who they let go of, right? Like who, 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 who very loudly says that they are no longer a clutch, ma- clutch sports management uh, client, you know, guys like Nerlens Noel and people like that. But I'm thinking about the Anthony Davis situation and there was only so many years that Anthony Davis was going to be in new Orleans, not winning. And I feel like clutch has the hold on. Okay. We're going to get you on the rise. And when it's time for you to really shine. And if you're not in the atmosphere that you need to be in, we're going to move around. Or we're going to push the button so much so that it's going to force change around you. What do you expect? this offseason to look like when it comes to Zach Levine quiet or do you expect there to be some some rumblings um that's a great question I've obviously thought about it I don't know the answer to that I would probably speculate that I think there's always some rumblings and I think we've all you know listened to what Arturis Karnashov has said um the night of the trade deadline uh and saying he's gonna use this time to evaluate the roster and, you know, express confidence that he's going to be able to remake this roster in some fashion, even though they don't have draft capital. So there's certainly a lot of speculation that, you know, this team will look different somewhat next season. I personally would be surprised if that means Zach Levine is elsewhere. I mean, like I said, he's, you know, a two-time, could be a three-time All-Star, 27 years old, uber-athletic, makes this game look easy at times, obviously confounds you know, fans sometimes with his turnovers, et cetera, but he's so, so gifted. Um, so I, I expect him to be back, but there's always rumblings in this league. And I, you know, I, Hutch has a reputation for getting, um, their, being aggressive to make their clients happy. I can tell you that I've talked to Zach and, you know, while he has frustrations at times, he's, he's happy here. He's always, what's that? He's, he's happy here. Well, he's always embraced being here. Uh, he's always he embraced it when the, te- the team was getting their head handed to him every night. And now that it's got you know at least a competitive edge to it, particularly last season, and now you're starting to show it again this season. You know, he 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 likes Chicago. He um, so I 
I, I think he'll be here next season if that's what you're asking me. No, no, I mean, I, I think he will too, but I also understand the business of basketball is very, very uh, interesting, especially when we get to the summer and one missed phone call or one unreturned phone call, things go crazy. So I'm uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what uh, the Bull soap opera looks like this summer because there is a there is a makeover that is necessary for this team. We'll be back with more of the full goal with Jason Goff after a word from our sponsors. Bulls talk with Jason Goff on the full goal. Flies in with a two-handed slam dunk. Brought to you by the Ringer, a Spotify original. Demar and Vooch. You know, we, we talk about the big three, and we've seen them post All Star break score and play like a big three is supposed to or what we think a big three is supposed to and i can't wait until we're done with that term because it went we went from calling you know lebron james Dwayne wade and chris bosh the big three to now you know it's keegan murray darren fox and demona sabonis are a big three you know what i mean like like we we are putting anybody who are your top three players all right that's your big three um damar he also loves this city and loves the experience, but at what point does winning take over? Like, is he okay? Not okay, but what do you think his head is at in terms of what this team is going to look like next year and years beyond that? Because does his role have to change? Does he understand that if they do get a point guard, things are going to be a little bit different? Obviously, with the Lonzo Ball news, like where's Demar at right now from being around him and covering the games? Yeah, I mean, anytime you ask Demar about his future, what the team should do, contract, anything, he's always like, I have never once spent a second of my 14 year NBA career focused on that or worried about that. And you kind of got to believe him. He's an old school guy. He's never worried about a contract. In fact, Darnell Mayberry asked him uh, the other day uh, at a shooter on that direct question, does Alonzo Ball news, the fact that he might miss the 23-24 season, impact your desire to be here and or you know your long-term future here? He's got, obviously, one year left on the deal. He's extension eligible this summer. And he said just what I said. He's never once thought about contract, worried about contract. And I followed up with, is you coming here kind of kind of an example of that? I mean, because everybody thought he was going to the Lakers, uh, you know, when when he was leaving San Antonio, and then next thing you know, boom, he ends up here and he's getting paid twenty eight point five million dollars, and I don't think anybody saw that coming. So um, he, you know, he's been with his agent forever. Um, you know, I, I being around Demar, I don't, you know, I don't know him as well as I know Zach, but I know him pretty well. He's a chill dude. He's just focused on playing ball and uh he goes where you know it's it's he's supposed to go so he's not going to make waves um you know he like i said he is extension eligible this summer they don't have to extend him because he's got another year left on his deal so but you know you see you see it jason and we heard what Artur said on trade deadline i mean i don't i'd be i think there's a good chance one of those big three will be there's your phrase again. One of those big three will be somewhere else next summer. And we haven't even got to Boosh yet. Yeah. So um, stay tuned. Yeah. Buckle yeah, up. No doubt about <laughs> it. Um, I like the little three these days as well. I like the little three. I like I like Kobe White. I like Patrick Williams. You know, Io DeSumo has had a little bit of a clunky year this year. Um, and it's it, it sucks because obviously it's in the year that he's supposed to be getting paid. Um, 
what do you see happening with those three players? Because, you know, I, I watch the Golden State Warriors as much as I can because they are trying to run it back while also retool at the same time with Kaminga and Jordan Poole and all those dudes and have that like crust where, you know, you got the, the filling and you got the topping, but they're trying to have that crust and that foundation going forward when Steph Curry and Draymond Green and Klay Thompson aren't there anymore on a much, 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 much smaller scale. The Bulls seemingly have that kind of vibe as well, where they've got a few guys who have been drafted, and one guy who wasn't in Kobe White who is playing, you know, I don't care what the numbers say. He is he is so much better than he was last year. And you could see the development and the work that's paid off. And shout out to a dude who had heard all the shit that was said about him, heard all the trade rumors, heard about, you know, his market value and all that other stuff, tightened up his handle. His defensive effort this year, I think, has been understated. The man, for whatever reason, stood in front of the freight train that is Joel Embiid, you know, and and, and took a charge the other night. I mean, he's 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 grown leaps and bounds in this single year, and I wish his numbers belied that. Like, I wish his number, I wish he was like at 16 points a game, so more people could be like, "Oh, look at what Kobe White's doing this year." But what do you think about those three players and where they're at right now, and what the future holds for them? Yeah, I mean, I just personally find it hard to believe that they're going to bring back all of them. I mean, because I know you're talking about, uh, and I'm separating Williams now here for a second because. He's under contract, but, you know, Kobe is restricted. Io is restricted. And then, you know, I'm going to, even though you're talking about the young three that's coming off the court right now, I'm going to throw Patrick Beverly in there because, you know, he's an unrestricted free agent. And if you liked what he's brought to your team, you know, and you, you see value, especially with Lonzo Ball likely out for most, if not all of next season, um, are you going to bring back all three of those guys? I don't see it. So, I used to not think so much that this could be an either-or situation between Kobe or Io, but I'm now speculating or starting to think that 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 very well may be the case. And you know what's weird, Jason, is um, Io Desumu's stats are almost identical this year to what they are last year, but he, he you you said it. He just doesn't – the eye test doesn't yeah, validate doesn't feel that. that way. And, and, the valid, and the eye test, even though Kobe's numbers don't wow you or are even down from last year, the eye test go the other way with Kobe. So if you're asking me, you only can keep one of those. To me, it's not close, and uh, I, I think I think you I think you keep Kobe White. He'd be more expensive, obviously, as a lottery pick versus a second round pick. But uh, I think Kobe White has not hit his ceiling yet, and I think he's got a lot a uh, lot of good basketball in front of him. If you walk into Portland, or if you walk into L.A. or some other city, and they say, hey, Casey Johnson, you've seen many a Bulls coach. Give me the profile of Billy Donovan. What would you say? Consistent. Um, that's the bigger thing to me. That dude is the same person every day. He is even keeled. He is positive. He is um, unflappable. He is professional. Um, that. You can say that's not nothing. You can say that's nothing. I disagree. I think that's huge in the NBA. That dude is the same every day for these players. Then is obviously he's a players coach. That reputation predated his bull stint from his time in Oklahoma City and even time you know he spent in college. Mm -hmm. He has his players back. Um, he supports them. Uh, he doesn't call them out publicly. Um, he does his teaching you know behind closed doors. Um, and then, you know, 
I've said all along this misnomer that he doesn't make adjustments is completely wrong. I mean, you can say you can maybe say, okay, you know, is he a perfect coach or is he elite? You know, the the elite of the elite, top three, top four in the NBA. That's a fair debate, but to say the dude's not like doesn't you know, and, and the other thing is like he's always got an explanation for why he's doing what he's doing. Um, I love the Derrick Jones Jr. move the other night against yeah. the Philadelphia 76ers. He ran Andre Drummond up and down for the first half, and then he was like, you know what? We got to make Joel Embiid run, and we need a rim protector. Throw in Derrick Jones Jr. for a few minutes, and he had the game-winning block. Yeah, and, and you know, like I said, I mean, he's always got an explanation. The other thing I like, and this is just a little bit in the weeds, but, like, you know, this is because this gets in the media, but the thing I like about him is you can question him on any decision, even in the wake of a tough loss, and he'll he'll answer it and he'll explain his logic and he you may not agree with it but he'll explain it. Mm-hmm. So that's great for what we do, obviously. But um, I, I I I think the move you point out is one example of many where he has tried things this season. Um, you know, another fair debate is does he does he hold veterans accountable all the time? You know, probably not. But there's that's not the worst sin of an NBA head coach. Um, and he's a player's coach, so he's going to see to the veterans and kind of let them be who they are. Uh, the one high profile example is when he benched Zach, and that quite frankly kind of blew up in his face a little bit. So, um, but yeah, man, I, I, I think the big thing to me that stands out about him is just he is as consistent of a person in his demeanor as I've been around in, in the NBA. So, I as for you, and I text you, and I appreciate you jumping on with me late notice because um, six years ago to n- today, Jerry Krause passed away, if I'm not mistaken. And you did one of the most fabulous jobs of detailing um, <clears throat> and extolling the virtues and also pointing out some of the, the, the quibbles that people had with Jerry Krause, but the, the life and times and career of without question the greatest architect in Chicago sports history without question um and as a kid I never quite understood the Jerry Krause hate slander all those things and of course you know I'm I'm 18 19 years old at the time but you know listening to sports radio calling sports radio being a part of sports radio I just you felt the energy and it was disseminated from that group and especially Mike and Scotty and all those guys. But I mean, for the people who don't know, because you, this is a local po- podcast, but obviously we get we get some national run because of the ringer and, you know, the good people at Spotify. For the people who aren't aware of Jerry Krause and have seen The Last Dance and lived through those times and only, you know, you, you can be out of town stupid. And when, it, when a guy isn't a guy that you're watching make moves every single year, every single night, trying to see how things fit together, you can just run with the narrative. For you and the relationship that you had with Jerry Krause, uh, what would you like people to know about Jerry Krause? Good, bad, and different all around the board? Well, I mean, that's a complicated question because uh, my obviously my relationship with Jerry was on two different levels in two different realms. And when I covered him, my relationship was probably like everybody else. I mean, he had a unique ability to return every phone call and tell you absolutely nothing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, so when I was report, covering him as a reporter, I, I was probably as frustrated at times with Jerry Krause as many reporters. But when he retired, um, 
you know, I uh, was very fortunate over a period of time to develop a, a pretty close relationship with him, actually a very close relationship with him. And um, so when he did pass away, um, you know, I just wanted to do his life justice because I feel like he is misunderstood in some ways because, you know, when you were talking about Last Dance, the one thing that always popped in my mind is like, Jerry Cross is never going to win a popularity contest. Okay. He just doesn't look the part. He doesn't speak the part. He doesn't talk the part. He can be gruff. He can alienate some people. He's never going to look as good as Michael Jordan or Phil Jackson or who have you, but you know, and you know, he hired and assembled everybody, but Michael, and I'm not discounting that that's a pretty good piece to inherit. Shout out to Rob Thorne. (laughs) yeah, Yeah. But he, you know, he had incredible eye for talent. And the thing, other thing, I, and this is probably, everyone probably knows this, but just I need to uh, um, give it voice is uh, no one outworked that dude, man. He, he, this is a time when, you know, front offices were way smaller. He basically did everything himself. Um, and he was ahead of his time in a lot of ways. The practice facility, the Berto Center was state of the art, first of its kind, strength and conditioning uh, department, Al Vermeil is longtime strength coach. Hired Karen Stack, uh, you know, a female um, to be his uh, assistant mm-hmm. and, you know, go-to right-hand person. Um, and that was groundbreaking in a lot of ways. And their relationship was very close. So, you know, old school in terms of, you know, be bird dogging, beat the bushes, scout every corner, every nook and cranny, old school that way, but more progressive than you would think in a lot of ways. So really complex, man. A lot of human beings are. Um, I really, really treasured our, our friendship, uh, down the stretch of his life. Uh, I spent a lot of time on the phone with him, heard a lot of the same stories, but I, I loved them all. And I, you know, I, I, when he passed away, you know, I, I'm still in touch with his, his widow, um, and his, you know, some members of his family. Um, mm-hmm. I, I missed our phone conversations. We would talk a lot. Um, and the stories he would tell are just you know, basketball history. So very fortunate to have covered him and then gotten to develop a friendship with him over, over time. And people don't even realize the baseball aspect of it too, right? Like one of the more famous and beloved characters in the city of Chicago sports history was found by Jerry Krause and Ozzie Guillen, right? I mean, what the, the scouting that he did for the Mets at the end, like, you know, he, he lived quite the sports life. Um, and you know, I'm going to ask you though, What's the biggest blow up that you two ever had? Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, I have a quick baseball story, but yeah, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, get it off. No, so <laughs> you brought the baseball, and, and that actually should be talked about because I mean that's a different era when guys, you know, could do high level executive ship in two different major sports. And back in the day, in the seventies, he would do both in the same year. So he'd do NBA scouting and then baseball scouting. Um, and, you know, he he leaves the Bulls position and can't get scouting out of his blood. So what does he do? He goes back to his roots and baseball scouts. And I did one long feature for him back when I worked for the Chicago Tribune where I went out to Delaware. He was scouting for the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks at the time. Mm. And I trailed him for like – we spent like five days on the road together and these just – can you keep yeah, this? Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> In these shithole minor league parks, man. <laughs> And just, you know, he's and, – and and he here he is like an hour and a half before first pitch, 
had to get in the seat right behind home plate, had to get his radar gun set, right? This person sat down in front of him. He was apoplectic, like, oh, my God, get, get, you know, no, you're blocking my view. It's just like, I was like, dude, man, and this dude's in his 70s. Right. I'm like, and you've won six championships, man. Like, what are you doing? Still on the job. <laughs> That's what I mean. Like, he, you can't outwork that dude. It's in his blood. He's never going to let that go. So, yeah, I'm glad you brought up the baseball. Um, uh. He's been pretty mad at me. <laughs> Casey out here running around breaking stories that he shouldn't break. You know, p- poking poking in places you shouldn't be poking. You know, asking too many damn questions. I, I want to yeah, know he, the time where you're like, you know what, Jerry? This is too. This is a little bit much for my blood. Um. Yeah, he he didn't like something I wrote about uh, Tim Floyd uh, the last year. Um, that was. <laughs> He he did not like something. I'm sure, and, and this is this is obviously back before cell phones. So this was back with the home answer machine, and you know, get home and you hit play, and, and uh, there was some profanity echoing around my bad uh, Chicago apartment that day. So, and then you call him back, and then he's calmed down a little bit. Right. But I mean, that's what I liked about Jerry is you know he didn't hold a grudge. You could go at it with him, and as long as you show up to work the next day, he was going to be there too. So. Um, but yeah, my relationship with him when I was covering him was a lot different than it was after his after he left the Bulls. So. Yeah, man. yeah, man. So shout out to Jerry Krause. Without him, I uh, don't know that we see these championships. Uh, in fact, I I kind of kind of feel like we don't see these championships. You know, who knows to trade old and Polonies for 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 Scottie Pippen, right? Like, who knows to to move Oak Tree around for for Bill Cartwright, like. Who knows to to go out and get bench pieces and add the Steve Kerr's of the world and those kinds of guys. I mean, those, those dudes matter. And it's so crazy because you fast forward now. And I, I think now role players and rotational players are more celebrated than I remember when I was a kid. Like we knew a few guys here and there. Right. Like you knew the microwave, Vinny Johnson, and you knew this guy could play. You knew that guy could play coming off the bench or two. But now you you go out and get a three and D guy trade deadline. Some fan bases act like you celebrating a championship right then and there because Dorian Finney Smith is showing up on your shores. Right. Like so looking back at it as a kid. Um, I appreciate the fact that Michael Jordan, Phil Jackson, Scottie Pippen, and all those dudes, and Jerry Krause made it seem like every summer I was going to have some plans, right? Every for, for eight years, you know, minus those two in the middle where, you know, Mike had to go do what he had to go do. But, yeah, it was, um, it was very uh, appreciative. Uh, appreciated, I should say, because yeah, I knew for a fact that every summer I was going to have some basketball to watch late. And, and also, you know, Mike hit the final shot on my last day of high school, on my graduation day. Yeah. Wow, oh, yeah. that's a good story. Oh, yeah, man. You know, I either run around Evanston for, for, you know, late hours or stay at home and watch Michael Jordan finish off his Bulls career. It was an easy decision for me to make. So I appreciated that. And I always appreciate you, KC. Thank you so much for joining us here on the pod, man. You are uh, you are one of the, the, the better people that I've had a chance to work with and 
that that doesn't even begin to uh you know encapsulate how you have done this thing how long you have done this thing and the professionalism that you've shown while doing it so uh if you want to be smarter as a basketball fan and know more about the chicago bulls and know more about basketball period make sure you are reading all of his stuff at nbcsportschicago.com make sure you're following him on twitter at kcj hoop he gives you the foul three-point shot alert he also gives you the 30-point lead or 30-point deficit alert which we haven't had lately by the way you know so that's that's always good uh but kc man thank you so much for giving us your time brother i appreciate you oh well you know what that was really cool you know i i gotta be honest i used to have the day that jerry passed in my phone uh, and i didn't so this year so when you text me that i kind of forgotten that today's the day so that I, I think it says a lot about you that you brought brought me on tonight and oh, six years ago so i actually remember the day very well we were in toronto i was covering a game of course mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh i remember getting like jamal crawford on the phone and all these people that were important so so good on you to to recognize jerry kraus on this day that's very cool hey man he he was part of the system and a part of the organization, and I'm not going to say organizations win championships, but he was a part of the organization and part of the system uh, that, to be honest with you, you know, I didn't, I had friends in high school, in junior high, but my friends were Tom Dore, Johnny Red Kerr, and people on Sports Channel, before that, Jim Durham, and of course, all the Bulls players. So every single night, I had a crew that I was going to hang out with for two and a half hours. And he was a part of me realizing championship success as a fan and also understanding yep. what a standard should be in this city. Yep. So yep. Uh, I think as people pass on, you know, it's OK to, to say what they meant to you. And I only got a chance to run into Jerry maybe two or three times. I'll never forget. I was walking through. Uh, uh, Las Vegas I think we were in Mandalay Bay covering a fight me and Jonathan Hood and it came up on the ticker and I was like oh man I remember when he moved when he when they when they moved on I should say not his death but I remember when they moved on to to Paxson and I was like oh man you know and and people were like yeah you know Krause is out and I, I was sitting there like yeah but that's the dude who who got me six championships as a fan. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sitting there like, oh, all right, but okay. Like, you know, he's a granddad that you didn't like until you knew that you were supposed to like him. You know what I'm saying? And that's that's how I feel about it. So thank you for saying the words that you have said, and I appreciate you jumping on the pod as always, brother. All right. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Casey Johnson right here on the Full Go Podcast. Time for some commercials. Hey, this is Lance Briggs. You're listening to The Full Go with Jason Goff. All right, Tony. They beat Joel Embiid for the first time in Joel Embiid's career. Now they are 1-12 against the uh, the process, right? The uh, I used to call them the big haagen but you don't have to worry about that anymore because he's, uh, he's discarded all of those tags. Man, I've always thought Joel Embiid was going to be great. I was just waiting on it. You thought he was going to be great, and you waited on it. And now that we're getting paid off, because we're basketball fans, right? Now that we're getting paid off. I mean, the dude was ballyhooed is like, hey, this might be the next Elijah Wan in terms of just skills. And boy, has he lived up to it this year, last year. The thing I think is the most impressive to me is the minutes played. Um you know, Joel used to be a dude who would drag a lot in the fourth quarter. And, you know, George Carl, 
George Carl is just being George Carl to me with the comments that he made about taking plays off. Man, there's not a fucking NBA player in the league that doesn't take plays off. So to to point out the MVP or the MVP to be maybe and say that he's taking plays off. Well, yeah, guess what? They said the same shit about Shaq, right? Like dominant big man. And this is the thing. the, the, The psyche of a big man is always interesting to me because you either get a big man who is a bully or a big man who always had to like duck down so he can make himself smaller so everyone else can feel comfortable about it. And I try to figure out when I'm watching a basketball player, the size of Joel Embiid, which there aren't very many, which one he was. And sometimes I see both dudes. There are times when I see Joel Embiid get into his bag and hit a step back. And to me, those are the moments where I'm like, oh, he's, he's, he's making himself smaller just so everybody else can feel comfortable. And on top of it, he's worked on these things. So he's trying to show you all how talented he is. But man, 37 and 15, 13 for 15 from the line, um, the, the absolute eraser that he is on the defensive end and I'm not even talking about the blocks per game because a lot of people like to look hey if you want blocks per game you got Rudy Gobert you got Walker Kessler by the way (laughs) the Utah Jazz messed around and drafted somebody who might be as good as Rudy Gobert down the stretch and Walker Kessler if you're not watching NBA basketball check that dude out really really like his game like how fundamentally sound he is as a shot blocker not always chasing blocks but always there to change some shots Joel Embiid is changing shots the dude there are certain shots that just won't get shot because he's in there. So the fact that the the Bulls and Nikola Vucevic um, didn't knock down very many threes at all and still had that dude out of the paint, they had driving lanes. Um, I, I enjoy watching Philadelphia. I picked the Philadelphia 76ers to win the championship this year over the L.A. Clippers, and that's not too, looking too good on the Clippers side of things, even though you know we'll see what they do in the playoffs. But... Joel is a beautiful athlete to watch. I'm happy that a city like Philadelphia gets something to root for again. You know, Barkley and Iverson and now this iteration of the group. And, of course, back in the day where they had a 40th anniversary couple nights. Actually, during the Bulls game the other night of their championship squad, Mo Cheeks was on the sideline wearing a suit so he could be out there taking that picture at halftime with, uh, you know, all the dudes, Dr. J included, right? So, Shout out to Joel Embiid and what he has become and a dude that I was hoping he would become earlier in terms of his conditioning and in terms of just taking the craft a little bit more seriously. And it seems like that is set in now. And I'll give it to you, Tone. You was you was on it early, man. You was on it early. Oh, yeah. You, you rode with it. You, you had the futures bet when it came to the number one overall pick in the draft, <laughs> by the way. Like, we out here scouting, you know, you out here scouting Tony Parker or something. Nah, you, it was the number one damn pick in the draft. But I, I give you your credit, bro. I give you your yeah, credit. Yeah, man. I mean, like, Joel, me personally, as, as a, you know, young man watching basketball, there's not many big men like him like just to do everything and i get you know he definitely needed to take the craft a bit more seriously but everything came so easy to him like once he figured like oh okay nobody in the world can guard me like he he just kind of joked around with it and he just needs to be in the right mental space i think doc rivers has done a a good job with joel specifically i got my other gripes about how you know doc as a coach but for joel he's been good to kind of hone him in, uh, lock him in, uh, in, in terms of uh, knowing and understanding what he's capable of um, from a night-to-night basis that, man, if you can play, you know, 36, 
you know, minutes a night, dude, you're going to be an elite company. Um, and not just in the NBA, in the current space, talking about all time. So, you know, once he understood yeah. that and what he could reach on an individual basis, I think it just unlocked him. And now he's, you know, Rob said it on uh, on Sunday's episode. You know, he would give Embiid the nod for MVP this year. And I vote, for, if I had a vote, I vote for Jokic. But I'm not going to be mad at anybody that voted for or that's going to vote for Joel Embiid this year for MVP because he certainly would deserve it. No doubt about it. And then on top of it, you got the Portland Trailblazers coming up. So you got the home and home against the Philadelphia 76ers, and then you get a chance to see maybe Damian Lillard in the Portland Trailblazers because they're still discussing whether they should, uh, you know, give these last three or four games a spin and then after that try to shut it on down, see what those picks are looking like. So in that Portland Trailblazers Bulls situation, I'm going big. I'm going big scoring by Zach Levine. I'm going 35 plus points. Damian Lillard should play. I'm going 30 or more for Damian because the point of attack with Pat Beverly, you can only put him on one of the two guys and Anthony Simons or Damian Lillard. I think they'll try to shut down Simons and make sure Damian Lillard is the only one beating them. So I got both those players scoring 30 or more points and I also have the Bulls on the money line. That's my same game parlay. The two stars will shine, but I think the Bulls win. I think the Bulls lose on Wednesday against the Philadelphia 76ers. And that's only because I don't want to wear the Dylan Brooks Stone Cold Steve Austin outfit in the tunnel on the pregame show because if they win five in a row, I will have to. So I'm thinking they're going to lose on Wednesday, but I think they're going to beat the Portland Trailblazers after that. I got the Bulls on the money line and, of course, Zach Levine and Damian Lillard to score 30 or more points. It's the full goal, baby! Coming up next on the Full Go Podcast, we get a chance to talk to basketball Hall of Famer to be. That's right, Candace Parker, Chicagoland's very own former L.A. Spark, former Chicago Sky. Ah, still tough to say. And now Las Vegas Ace. We'll talk to her and what she's doing with the great company Muscle Milk and about how she keeps her body in shape and what she's got going on. That's coming up next right here on the Full Go Podcast. Joining us here on the Full Go Podcast is a person that I had a chance to a long, 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 that's going to make me feel really old, Jesse. I had a long, long thought about, man, when did I first start interacting with Candace Parker? And it was way back in the day when she was 14, 15 years old. I was booking this lady for the Jonathan Hood Show here in the city of 670, The Score. And lo, these many years, was it 16 years in WNBA? Of course, everything she did at Tennessee, two-time WNBA world champion, two-time WNBA MVP, of course, Olympic gold medalist. And now we got you hanging out with the good folks at Muscle Milk. Before we get into everything that has spanned the life of your career, what uh, what's happening with Muscle Milk right now? Well, I'm so excited uh, to be partnering with Muscle Milk just in terms of, you know, what we're doing in the community um, with the lifting project and, and in terms of creating opportunities and access. Uh, for for a lot of different people, there's more things to come in 2023. But just as an athlete, you know, and how important recovery is, and nutrition is, and post game shakes, and all that jazz. So definitely get my post game, post workout uh, recovery shaken. Probably my favorite flavor is probably vanilla or strawberry. You have a favorite flavor? Well, I you know I'm working on things. See, I I, I made 
I made a bad, bad decision. Was it two weeks ago? Oh. Uh, I do the pre and post game show with Kendall Gill and Will Purdue mm-hmm. for the Chicago Bulls on NBC Sports yep. Chicago. I made a I made a bet that if the Bulls won five in a row, that I would wear the Dylan Brooks outfit, the Stone Cold Steve Austin outfit. So oh, wow. I've been uh, I've been on the treadmills. I've so been gotta uh, get some yeah. I got I to figure out what the routine should be because I I'm about I'll, two I'll three have... weeks away from having to uh, don a leather vest out here. So listen, w- I know which one should I go with? I can hook it up. I'll send you some, you know, I'll send you a variety of shakes. I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's that routine looking like these days? I mean, you know, a decade and a half on a professional level, obviously the body, uh, the body does different things when you get to a certain age. What is that routine looking like? And what are you trying to do as opposed to what you did when you came into the game? That is an understatement that the body does different things because goodness, when, you know, it's like you hit 32, 33 years old and you're like, whoa, getting out of bed isn't as spry as what it was when I was younger. But I think the biggest thing now is really focusing on taking care of your body and getting on the court. You know, yes, it is improving your jump shot and improving your skills and developing things like that. But it's really about the maintenance of it, making sure that you are stretching and you are you know, lifting and and doing rehab and mm-hmm. getting post nutrition um, shakes and all of that. It's all tied together and it's all important. Um, and it is kind of teetering. So when something you do something a little different, your body's gonna tell you about it. So uh, you know, I would advise you to kind of make sure you <laughs> stretch and do all those things before you get on the treadmill. Candace, it's not gonna help. I'm telling you now, it's not going to help. I'm 42 years old. I, I was not planning on doing this. It came out at the end of the segment. You know how things are. You know, with Chuck oh, and Ernie that. and, and Shaq, good. every once in a while, things come out at the end of a segment. And then you got it. Only thing I'm looking forward to is that Kendall nor Will Purdue will hold a butter knife to my throat if I won't pay up on the bet. I, I heard that happen between you and Shaq on the baby hairs bet. So I'm hoping that you know the, the, the guys that I'm around won't have the same reaction if I choose not to pay up on this bet. Well, listen, I, I, I see that you're a great human being and I know you pay up on your bets. So I have no doubt that, that uh, you'll do that so they won't have to. We don't have to see. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Um, You're in Vegas now. I'm sure everybody at the crib is going to have to get used to seeing you in Las Vegas Aces jersey. Um, That move and, and this offseason. To, to be honest with you, you see yourself, you see Brianna Stewart, you see Courtney Vanderslew, you see Brittany Griner, you see some real names at the top of the free agency market taking less, presumably, to go compete for championships. What, what, what kind of space does that put, not only free agency, but also the CBA that'll be up in five years? How, how are players right now in the WNBA looking at the sacrifices that have to be made by people with names and, and, and games to follow? That's the biggest thing is um, I think a lot of us at this stage, especially in our career, you know, it is a big deal to compete for for championships. And I remember always watching the San Antonio Spurs and always idolizing the fact that they always took a little less so that their team could be better. And, you know, fortunately been able to to play for some really good teams in my career. And I think, you know, I want to be that player that's able to compete for for rings at this stage. And, you know, that's the case. So I think we're seeing a lot of players that are valuing that because, you know, I mean, we're competitive. We want to mm-hmm. want to win. And especially at 30 years old, <laughs> you, know, you don't want to you don't want to play for, you know, second. Just you to don't be playing. Play for, yeah. Right. 
participation trophy like you're trying to win. Yeah, yeah. How was your time here in Chicago? Well, I know it's always it's always tough to come back and, and play in your hometown, your home area, all the uh, different obligations, all the things that you have surrounding it. But you come back, you win. H- how was that experience and, and how tough was it making the decision to, to move on to this third act now of your career? There's literally nothing like playing back at home. I mean, the amount of support that we had as an organization that I had as a player that's from there, you know, you talk about just Chicagoland really does a great job of wrapping their arms around the people from there and following their career. There were so many people at different games that would come up and be like, I saw you play against Glenbard North. I saw you play at Marshall. I saw you play, like, mm-hmm. I saw you play downstate. And so it's like you're playing in front of the very people that first saw you pick up a basketball, first saw your success, first saw your losses. So it was surreal. And then when we won the championship, it was. I was out that night. I was I out that night. I saw you. I saw y'all hanging out and 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 getting it in. It was uh, it was quite well, the celebration. Yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> we, um, when I tell you there is nothing like that, I had to take mental notes of it. Like I remember being in the moment and just taking the mental note of I'm going to remember this feeling because there's nothing like it. Yeah. No doubt about it. And now, as you look forward to not only this part, this act, this stage of your basketball career, but post-basketball, you've transitioned, and quite wonderfully so. And I'm not just saying this because you're on or you're from the crib. It's, it's been a pleasure to watch you commentate. And hit us with the analysis where it's not dumbing down the situation, but it's also having fun with it. What has been the, the toughest transition for you in terms of your, your budding media career, as they call it? The toughest transition for me has been that I am still playing. So, you know, it's easy when you're retired to say a player should do this and this and this and this. And then you get tagged in a video of a clip of you not doing this and this and this and this. And so it's really... Both things can be true. It's really (laughs) caused me to come correct with my analysis and think how would I want to be analyzed as a player you know, how would I want a commentator to talk about my weaknesses or talk about my strengths? And so that's kind of been the way that I approach it. I've had players come up and say, you know, you are our motivation because you didn't pick us in the NCAA tournament. Or <laughs> you said this, that I don't have a left hand, you know, or that I only go right, you know? And it's interesting that you think it's a random Tuesday night and you're just talking about a team, but like players remember, I remember when individual, Mm. you know, TV analysts would say stuff. And so I think that was the hardest thing is, um, you know, you want to be nice, but you also owe it to viewers to be honest. And so there's a balance with that. That atmosphere on that set, especially with the the NBA uh, on TNT crew, you do a great job on the NBA TV side as well. But when you talk about Shaq and Chuck and Ernie and, and, and Kenny, um, uh, Kenny's brought me up there a couple of times when I was in Atlanta. I had a chance to see it. I saw the couch that I shouldn't walk past, or else Shaq would, you know, jump on me. You know, I saw I saw Chuck and his, you know, buckets full of popcorn and his crystal light sitting down watching eighteen different games. Like that atmosphere, people people don't understand the organic nature of it because it seems like it comes off that way just so freely. But if you were to say one thing or two things that 
that has highlighted your experience working around those people and working around that crew and being a part of some of the best television uh, ever in history, uh, what would it be for you? Off camera. <laughs> no, we always say that there's a show within a show. Um, obviously, we don't want to show it, but it's a show within a show. Like the makeup room is probably my most favorite time because you're going to have guys coming in and out. We're going to play music. We're going to talk junk. We're going to debate something. There's going to be a debate of the day. There's going to be differing opinions. And then we go out and do the same on set, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think it's just unbelievable to be able to FaceTime and see Shaq grab the phone and talk to my daughter and Herbie, you know, talking to her uncle Shaq and they, he always beats her and Uno whenever she comes to the studio. So <laughs> I'm like, Shaq, could you just let her win one time? He's like, no, absolutely not. She's not winning. I'm like, this is ridiculous. So I think, it's the off-the-camera moments that I think are my favorite. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, so as we wrap it up here, I appreciate your time as always. Uh, what's in store this season for you, for the Aces? Uh, what's it looking like? I, I you know, I, I did my my Twitter research earlier today, and I, I put your name in there, and people people couldn't wait to throw up the accolades because apparently Candace Parker is washed is a thing that's going on, and then all of a sudden you get all of the people showing that. Nobody can be named all WNBA first team and, and, and still be talking about not having that edge still. So what, what's in store this year, not only for you, but for the Aces? I love the motivation, by the way. Um, it fuels me. And as an analyst, it has allowed me to also look at other players that people call washed and to watch them rise to the occasion, right. a la Braun, a la Steph Curry, time and time again. So thank you, one. Two... Uh, the biggest thing for me is, you know, everything on paper looks amazing, but just fitting it together. And I really, really, really pride myself in always being an addition and not a subtraction to a situation. So I want to do just that, just continue to make people around me better. I think that might be one of my most favorite things to do is to make sure that my teammates are better because I'm on the floor. And so I think that's what I want to continue to do on both ends of the floor. I don't have to do too much. That's the crazy, you know, that's the, that's the unique thing. And there's right. some players that fight that. I don't fight that. I don't have to do too much. Mm. And I'm going to relish in whatever role this team needs me to play to win. All right. Tell the people really quickly where they can get the information that you're giving out with Muscle Milk and the Lifting Project and all the other good stuff going on. Then you just tune into Muscle Milk. Obviously, drink Muscle Milk Nutrition. Um, it's great for recovery. It's something that I honestly use uh, post post-game, post-workout, post-Pilates, you know, whatever old lady workout I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> That's what y'all like to talk, call it, the old lady workout. Um, it helps in my recovery. So it's so important that athletes realize that that is a part of their game and that's a part of staying on the court. Well, Candice, uh, it's been 20 years now. I've been following your career. Got a chance to to holler at the 14, 15-year-old a long time ago. And to this moment, uh, we're all proud of you here. We all appreciate you. And we continue to highlight what you've meant to the game. Not just the women's game, but the game, period. Thank you so much. I appreciate, I appreciate you. you. Thank you. No doubt. Candace Parker right here on the Full Go Podcast. The Full Go with Jason Goff. Jason Goff.
All right, that's all the time we have for episode 222 of the Full Go Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. We want to say thank you to our guests, Casey Johnson and Candace Parker. Make sure you're checking out Casey Johnson stuff at NBCSportsChicago.com and on Twitter at KCJHoop. I want to thank Candace Parker and the good folks over at Muscle Milk as well. I want to thank our production staff, as always, the shadowy figure that is known as Steve Cerruti, the active Jesse Lopez, and my main man, Tony Gill. For the fellas, I'm Jason Goff. Thank you for downloading this thing thanking you for sharing this thing with your family and friends subscribing to it make sure you hit that follow or subscribe button wherever you're listening to this pod also want to thank you for just being you and listening because if you're not there then damn it what are we doing this for right so thank y'all for sharing it thank y'all for doing what you do make sure you have that voicemail line the full gold voicemail line is intact 773-359-3103 is the phone number 773-359-3103 fire off anything that you want to get off and then if it's uncensored uncut all the good stuff informative funny entertaining whatever the case may be it'll make it on the show we will talk to you on thursday Gonna get some football in our system. The first wave of free agency and the second wave now have, have already finished. We're gonna look at the Bears Hall. And also, could the Bears win the division next year? I'm gonna have that conversation with y'all on Thursday's pod. But until then, we leave you with this. As always, take care of each other and be safe. <laughs>